right, take that sheet, flip it over, and turn to the book of John. We're in the book of John. Again, it really is one of my favorite books. I had somebody a few weeks ago ask me. They were beginning to read their Bible, for the, not for the first time, but they were wanting to read it, uh, read through it. And what they, I recommended as a good book to start with, and the book I gave them was the book of John, man. It is such a wonderful uh, book, and it's written so that you may know that Jesus is the Son of God. And so it's just an awesome, awesome book. Uh, some of you, probably, maybe you've heard of this guy right here. Look at this next slide. Dennis Prager. Dennis Prager. Uh, he's, he's really brilliant and knows multiple, he speaks like three different languages. He's kind of a political commentator person uh, now. And uh, he's actually Jewish, but he really uh, relates to, uh, with strong sympathy to the role of Christianity uh, in the history of America. And he's concerned about the culture. And I'll tell you all that to tell you, um, uh, I want to give you a quote of something that he said. Um, but he's going to use the word happiness. But the word I want to use is joy, okay? So every time you hear me say, as I quote him, I want you to hear the word joy, not happiness, okay? And we'll talk about the difference. But he said this. He said, I once asked a deeply religious man if he considered himself a truly pious person. He responded that while he aspired to be one, he felt that he fell short in two areas. One was uh, his not being happy enough. He said, unhappy Christians reflect poorly on their religion and on their creator. He was right. Unhappy religious people do pose a real challenge to faith. If their faith is so impressive, why aren't they happy? There are only two possible reasons. Either they are not practicing their faith correctly, or they're practicing their faith correctly, and their religion itself is not, is not conducive to happiness. Most outsiders assume the latter reason. Unhappy religious people should therefore think about how important being happy is. If not for themselves, then for the sake of their religion. Unhappy religious people provide more persuasive arguments for atheism and secularism than do all the arguments of the atheists. Now, he was using the word happiness, but I want to use the word joy. As a pastor, one of the greatest mysteries to me in my life is what we call a joyless Christianity. Christians that have no joy in their life whatsoever. And again, you'll understand the difference between joy and happiness and uh, as we go along. But if you think about the Christians that you know, the Christians in your life, how many can you honestly say have a lot of joy? I mean, like for real, like they're a joyful person. They have a lot of joy. Tim Keller said this. He said, the joy is the essence of Christianity. Then one of my favorite authors, look at this next, next slide, C.S. Lewis. He said, joy is the serious business of heaven. I like that. Joy is the serious business of heaven. Again, how many joyful Christians do you really know? How many? Now, we're in a series, I've called it The Good Life, and we're dealing with the fruit of the Spirit. And this fruit of the Spirit, singular, one fruit, with all of these characteristics, the fruit of the Spirit is something that God gives us through the Holy Spirit when we get saved. All of these things, and we talked about love last week, and obviously today, tonight, we're going to talk about joy. God is a God of joy. God wants you to be full of that eternal joy that we're talking about. Not walking around, well, I call it giddy. It's being a giddy idiot. Okay? There are things in this world you shouldn't be happy about. There are things that should break your heart. There are things that should upset. I mean, it's okay to have a bad day. So I want you to understand the difference, right, between joy and being a giddy idiot. Okay? God is a God of joy. 
Jesus said everything he said was for the very purpose. Look at John 15, verse 11 in your notes. He says, these things I have spoken to you. Why? That my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. And listen, I understand some of the diff- Some of you, I know the hard times that you're going through. So others of you, I don't know, but all of us have our problems, right? Joy for you tonight could seem like a pipe dream, man. Like, what you talking about? Joy, right? Joy doesn't live in my house, right? Well, it can and it should. There's one thing that we all have in common tonight. Look at this next slide. Nobody's immune to having bad days, man. Nobody's immune to bad news. We've all had bad days, right? Some of us have had bad weeks. Some of us have had bad months, and they're starting to turn into bad years, and we need to do something to turn that ship around, okay? The question is not, are you going to have a bad day, a bad week, or a bad month? You will. The question is, are you going to have joy? Those are two different things. How are you going to respond? Jesus' half-brother, James, said this in James 1, verse 2. He said, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Yay, I'm broke. No, that's right. It just seems counter to, yay, I'm being persecuted. It just doesn't seem right. Again, what he's talking about isn't some of the things that necessarily get us down. Joyfulness is not happiness. Being full of joy and being really happy just aren't the same things in Bible terms. There's a big difference. Look at this next slide. Happiness is on the outside. It's external. Joy comes from the inside. It's internal. Look at this next one. Happiness is based on chance. Joy is based on choice. You choose whether or not to be joyful. Happiness, look at the next one. Happiness depends upon circumstances. Joy depends upon Christ. We know that we can have joy because he said that he came so that our joy, that we would have his joy and that our joy would be full. We can always have the joy that Christ gives us regardless of what's going on. So how are you joyful on the inside when everything is falling apart on the outside, right? And it's not some fake joy or some fake happiness, right? It's not like pretending like everything is coming up, number one, when everything is terrible. It's not that. It's not, even, it's not pretending like it didn't hurt, man, when they said what they said, because it did, right? It, does, it doesn't mean when they get that bad doctor's report, right, that you're not scared and that you're upset and that you have doubts, right? Because you do. Those things have nothing to do with your joy. You, see, joy won't let you stay there. Jesus' joy won't let you live there, right? It'll bring you back to him and who he is. And your joy is in him. In the Gospel of John, Jesus tells us how we can have it. And uh, so I hope you'll make up your mind tonight. I'm going to have a joyful Christian life, right? You're going to live in joy. Some Christians have decided to live in misery instead of in joy. So if you're going to be joyful, what do you need to do? Write this down. You got to decide, man. It's a choice. I got to decide joy. Or I can decide for misery. But I got to choose uh, I've got to make a decision to be joyful. Jesus, in the verses we're going to look at tonight, Jesus is about to go to the cross, and he's about to do something the disciples can't even imagine. He's going to die. Disciples can't even fathom this, right? Uh, look at this in John 16. And you, as you can imagine, this is going to affect their happiness, their joy, if you will. John 16, verse 16. Jesus says, a little while, and you'll not see me again. And again, a little while, and you will see me, because I go to the Father. Then some of his disciples said among themselves, what is this that he says to us? A little while, you'll not see me, and again, a little while, and you will see me, and because I go to the Father. They said, therefore, what is this that he says? A little while. 
We do not know what he is saying. By the way, I, I think they felt that way a lot. Right? We don't know what you're saying, Jesus. All right. Now, Jesus knew that they desired to ask him, and he said to them, Are you inquiring among yourselves about what I said? A little while, and you'll not see me, and again, a little while, and you will see me. Most assuredly, I say to you that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice, okay? And you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. Now, Jesus is talking about two events, the crucifixion and the resurrection. resurrection. He's saying you're going to weep, but the world's going to be happy, crucifixion, right? Right? You're going to be sad, but the happy day is coming because I'm going to come back again. Right? He's going to die. The disciples didn't understand that because one thing they thought they knew about messiahs, messiahs don't die. Okay, but this one was going to. Right? Even though Jesus was the son of God, he wasn't immune to sadness and suffering. All of that was a part of his life just like it's a part of you. Bad things happen to good people. Can I get an amen? Bad things happen to good people. Terrible things happen to God's people. And Jesus tells us that joy overcomes it. Uh, right there at the end of that verse, it says, he says, and you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. Listen, the, life happens, and we hurt, and we get discouraged, and we get down. The joy that God gives us doesn't let us stay there. All right, we have victory in Jesus, not surrender in Jesus. Right? Even the most trying, difficult times of your life, this may sound trite, but really it's when you have the, those deep heartbreaks, when you have those deep sorrows, those, that pain that you just don't think will ever go away, that's when you experience the sweetness of the joy of the Lord. It's not when everything's great. It's in those hard times. And when you choose Christ over your circumstances. All right, how does that happen? Jesus gives us an example. Look at verse 21. He says, a woman, when she is in labor. Anybody in here ever been in labor? Say amen. amen. No, nah, I knew I'd get you with them. She has sorrow. Can I get an amen? Because her hour has come. About time. But as soon as she has given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. Hey, I, I had the privilege of being in there in the room when both of my babies were born. I miss the good old days, right? When the men weren't even allowed in there, right? And I thought, why do I have to be born now? But I, I loved it. No, I didn't really. And I loved the, the end result, but I was terrified. And so, but I can remember Alicia hurt. And especially with, uh, she hurt with both of them. Uh, with Amber baby and Marcus baby, but with Marcus baby, Marcus baby, uh, they gave her the epidural or whatever she got. They gave her a couple of them, and they didn't kick in until after she gave birth. M Marcus enters the world, and Alicia says, "My legs just fell asleep." You know, that was it. That was the extent of her pain relief, right? And so, in anguish. But I, I saw that woman, well, Alicia. That's her name. I saw. <laughs> That my wife, who I love so much, also known as that woman who was giving birth to my children. All right, all right, baby. All right, so anyway, just pick out the car you want. So, so, but that she gave birth, excruciating pain and anguish, right? Epidural's not working, but when they laid that baby on her chest. There for just a moment, all of that, that anxiety and that pain just went away, right? For a moment, for a moment, right? She forgot all about it, the pain, heartache, the suffering. Pain, heartache, suffering can exist, can exist with joy. 
right? She decided for a moment to focus on the baby, not the pain, right? When we're going through the pain and the suffering and the heartache, we focus on God rather than the pain. It's the same thing. There are all kinds of joy stealers out there, right? Uh, I put some of my notes, undeserved guilt, things that you ask God to forgive you for in the past, and he has forgiven you, but the devil keeps throwing it back up on your radar, right? Undeserved guilt, things that you've done in your past, right? And those things, that's a joy stealer. A fear of circumstances, always worrying about what tomorrow's bringing, how I'm going to do this, how I'm going to do that. That'll rob you of your joy. Just worrying is a big joy stealer, being anxious over what tomorrow's going to bring or the next day. There's only one way to get your joy back when you lose it. When you realize that your past, when the devil wants you to think about those forgiven sins as if you've not been forgiven, and you realize that your past has been forgiven by a merciful, good God, right? And that today is being controlled by a sovereign God who loves you, and that your future is guaranteed by that same God. You don't have to worry about yesterday. You don't have to worry about today. You don't have to worry about tomorrow. You can have joy in the Lord. There's this tremendous verse in the book of Hebrews. Look in your notes, Hebrews 12, 2. And he says, looking unto Jesus. By the way, I would say right there is the key to the whole thing. Looking unto Jesus. Looking at our problems. Looking unto Jesus. The author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Okay, for the joy that was to come, he endured the cross despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. In other words, he could take the pain, the suffering, the heartache, all of that, the embarrassment, being crucified naked in front of the whole world. He could do all of that because he knew the result was going to be worth it. Does that make sense? Right? He was focusing on uh, the glory of God and not himself. He knew that the Father would be glorified. He knew that people would be redeemed, that the sins of the people would be paid for. He could be joyful in, even in going to the cross because he knew that it was going to honor God. Number two, the second thing you need to do, you got to desire joy, desire to be joyful. In one sense, God has given all of us an innate desire for joy and happiness. We eat certain foods because because those cookies taste good, right? We drink certain beverages. We buy things. We build things because we think in these things will bring us joy, right? And again, where does that desire come from? It comes from God. God gave us this innate mechanism for desire, joy. It comes from God. And so if you want to be joyful, since real joy comes from God, you need to ask God for joy. Joy is a choice. You can choose to be joyful. It's not something that you can drum up on your own. It's not um. It's not a self-help, right? It'll be the best help you ever gave yourself. But it's not some trick. You're not playing games with the mind. You're not convincing yourself something's true that maybe isn't. If you want joy, joy comes from God. You need to ask God for joy. It's a choice. You can't drum it up on your own. Listen to verse 11 again, John 15, verse 11. He says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you. Whose joy is it? It's his, that your joy may be full. Joy is a gift. Every morning before you get out of bed, you can ask God for joy just like you do your daily bread. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Lord, give me some joy. I'm still married to what's her name? <laughs> SUV, baby. SUV. You're graduating. I can't believe I said that. If your mother was here, none of this would be happening. All right. Joy. Uh, look at this next slide. You know, do you know this lady? Uh, Johnny Erickson Tata, have you heard of her? She's a quadriplegic. 
Uh, she dove into a, a shallow lake when she was 17 and was paralyzed from the neck down. Uh, for, you know, she's been that way ever since. And she speaks at all kinds of, she's a wonderful Christian writer, and she speaks at all kinds of Christian concerts and ladies' events and things like that. And, but she's a paraplegic. And one time she was speaking at a conference, and she was in the restroom, and there was a lady in there brushing her hair while uh, Johnny was in the restroom. She's putting on her lipstick. And she said this to Johnny. She said, oh, Johnny, you always look so together and so happy in your wheelchair. I wish I had your joy. And then she asked John, she says, uh, how do you do it? You know, you're in this wheelchair. How do you have so much joy? Johnny said, I don't do it. And she said, let me tell you how I woke up this morning. She says, this is a normal day for me. After my husband, Ken, leaves for work at 6 a.m., I am alone until I hear the front door open at 7 o'clock. That's when a friend arrives to get me up. While she makes coffee, I pray, Lord, my friend will soon give me a bath, get me dressed, set me up in my chair, brush my hair and teeth, and send me out the door. I don't have the strength to face this one more time. I have no resources. I don't have a smile to take into the day. But dear God, can I have your smile? I need you desperately. And then the, the lady asks, she said, what happens when your friend comes in the room? She says, I turn my head, because that's all she can move. She says, I turn my head towards her and give her a smile sent straight from heaven. It's not mine, it's God's. And then she pointed at her paralyzed legs and she said, whatever joy you see today was hard won this morning and I got it because I asked for it. Joy is a gift from God and we need to ask for that joy, especially if we're struggling and don't have it because I've got a news flash for you guys. Look at this next slide. If you don't want to, you won't be. Pretty that same. You want to be old grouchy sourpuss? Go ahead. Right? And it's really obvious to me in the life of all the believers that I've known through the years, many people are choosing the sour push route. I mean, it's obvious to me. Many people have rejected joy and gone for something else, some kind of bitter fruit. Right? If you don't want to be joyful, you won't be. If you want to be joyful, you will. Again, we're not talking about happiness. We're not talking about perfection. We're not talking about, oh, I got cancer and it's awesome. We're talking about joy that comes from God. Centers you. If you want it, you can have it. Once, the, the bottom line for every believer is this. Once I choose Christ, then I can choose joy. It's mine. It's, it's on the menu. It's available. He promises it. That's what Paul meant. Philippians 4.4. 4, he said, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Not in your circumstances, not in your 401k, not in the economy, not in the bank account, not in politics, right? It, listen, not even in your blood work, but you can rejoice in the Lord. To be joyful. Number three, that's the third thing. Again, you have to determine to have joy. You've got to determine it. Now, I use that word this time, determine on purpose. Uh, because when you determine something, it doesn't have anything to do with your feelings. It's about your will. It's deeper than feelings, right? It's your will. Happiness is, I'll just reach for my glasses again. <laughs> Happiness is a feeling, but joy is an act of the will. Uh, the Greek word, I looked it up. The Greek word joy is used 74 times in your New Testament. 74 times. And it represents a delight in the heart that is based on spiritual realities. In other words, I have joy because of who Christ is, what he's done, and what he's going to do. Not based on my current circumstances, but spiritual realities. 
So why are believers joyful? Because God is joyful. Most people have, I put this in my note, I know most people, we don't think of God as joyful. If, if we were to be honest, okay, most of you ladies, you may not believe this, but most of you ladies, you think God's a lot like your daddy. It's true. Now, maybe not exactly, and maybe not, but a lot of times we carry that father relationship into our relationship with our heavenly father. So if you've got a bad, mean, ugly, cranky dad, guess what? God's probably cranky. Right? If you've got a super loving, caring father, then maybe your heavenly father is even more caring. You need to be careful about some of these tendencies that you bring uh, into that uh, with you. Dad, you need to be aware of that with your daughters. It doesn't happen as much with sons, but it does happen with your daughters. So you need to be aware, right? And then also, she's probably going to date a rascal just like you. Straighten up, man. Okay? You don't get what you want. You get what? What you are. What you are. Um, but many times, we tend to think of God as some cosmic killjoy who's like up there in heaven holding a thunderbolt and just waiting to smack somebody that does something wrong. And that's not the picture that Scripture gives us at all. Listen to how he's described in this ancient book of Zephaniah. Look in your notes, Zephaniah 3.17. It says, the Lord, your God in your midst, the mighty one, will save. He will rejoice over you. Okay, that word rejoice, by the way, in Hebrew, that word means to jump up and down. To jump up and down. He will jump up and down over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Full, God is full of joy. He's full of, of us being part of his family. He rejoices over us, jumps up and down. He will sing a song over you and your life. It's amazing. Joy isn't something you get from God. It's more like something you catch from God. It's part of who he is, man. It's contagious. You can't have real joy apart from God. Our God is a God of joy. That's what bothers me so much when you go into so many churches. People come to church on Sunday morning like they're going to a funeral, man. It's not. He's alive. That's why we usually laugh when we have baptisms and we enjoy all these things. Uh, when we do the Lord's Supper, we make sure and say, this isn't a funeral. We're remembering what Christ did for us. Now, we're to be reverent. And everything's not a joke. And we're to be serious about things that are serious. We don't take light. Uh, of holy things or anything like that but there is joy man and i've been in one too many churches grace ain't like this and but i've been in one too many churches where there was no joy in the house and my god is a god of joy that'll sing over you and rejoice and jump up and down because you're in his family and then people walk into church like they're going to a funeral and they leave like they left one he's a god of joy man you'll just catch it if you get around him and get the real thing Look at this next slide. My favorite author, C.S. Lewis, again said, basically, without God, no joy. With God, all joy. You get all of it that you need. That's why Jesus goes on to say in verse 22, look at it, John 16, verse 22. He said, therefore, you now have sorrow, but I will see you again. Woo! I could preach on that, but I'm not. I'm going to move on. I will see you again. And your heart will rejoice, and your joy no one will take from you. Two things you need to know about your joy. It comes from God and nobody can take it. Woo! Isn't that good? You work with that busybody, flapping her gums all the time, thinks she's better than you, show sure enough, right? That guy at the shop that thinks he knows how to fix everything and all he ever does is break everything, ruining your Monday, every Monday you've ever had. That preacher, you come to church on Sunday and he talks about all your sins, mm. it's bad. It's bad. Listen, your joy doesn't come from people. It comes from God. Nobody can have it, right? He will give it to you, but you need to ask for it. 
People who are determined to be joyful don't pay attention to the weather. We all complain, don't we? And I did really good this winter. I tried not to complain about the weather, but January got me. Remember that time when it rained for 40 days and 40 nights? And we didn't even have an ark. I feel like somebody should have got one. And then I was like, Lord, I'm over this winter. And then it's like spring came for a couple of days. Y'all remember that? And then it was freezing and raining right after that. I was like, why, Lord? Listen, real joy doesn't care about the weather, doesn't care about that it's Monday, which day of the week, how old you are. Anybody feeling older today than yesterday? Well, you are. The interest rate. Real joy doesn't care how long the line is at a fellowship meal or how long it takes to get out of a sanctuary to shake hands of a new church member on a Sunday morning. Determined to be joyful. Decided to be joyful. There's one thing that'll rob you of your joy, though. Again, it's permanent, but there's one thing that'll take it out of your life. That'll just suck it right out. Look at this next slide. Sin. That's the only thing. I mean, I'm going to be honest. Your sin or somebody else's if you allow them to take it. Sin. Go back to John chapter 15 and verse 10. Look at this. He says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you and that your heart may be full. Look at this next slide. Jesus clearly ties obedience and joy together. That when we're walking in obedience, that's when we'll have that joy. I don't know about you, but many times in my life, when I've known, I talked about this on Sunday morning, when I point my feet in the direction I want to go, but God's want me to go this way, and I decide to go this way anyway, it's always full of heartache and, well, it ain't full of joy. It's only when we're walking in obedience, going the way that God has called us to go, doing what God has called us to do, honoring God with our family and our relationships, honoring God with the way we work, and we're honoring God and walking in obedience to his calling on our life. That's joy. But sin, man, that's a joy stiller. You're just giving it away. And ultimately, I don't, I don't want to put too much on this because I, I hope you understand the difference between happiness and joy, but joy is a barometer of your relationship with God. I have a difficult time um, with people at Grace Baptist Church in general. No, I'm just kidding. No, I, just, I expected something, Hunter. I was waiting on you. Well, I've talked about this before, but we've got folks that come in on Sunday that are grouchy or upset or pooch mouth or lemon-sucking committee, and you may be here right now. I don't know if you are. Just identify yourself. And uh, I'm being serious. I mean, I, I'm not trying to think of one individual, but I see it. I see it on their faces week after week after week after week. And no joy, no happiness. And it just makes me so sad. Because even if what's going on out there, man, is ripping you apart, you should be able to come in here. It should be an ark, right? To take refuge from the flood and the storms and the joy stealers where you can come in here in this house and you can worship God, you can adore God, you can love God. You can thank God. And knowing that he's rejoicing over you. And he's singing a song over your life. And he loves you. And so much that he sent his son Jesus to die for you. Man, and that you, he's given you this privilege. And then, but sometimes we just take that for granted. And we just walk in. I don't know. I, I don't know with the face, the face thing. The, that's one of people's facial expression. You know, some people got a mean-looking face naturally. I do, too. You know, natural. But I'm just talking about facial expression, not words. or You know, I'm, not, I'm just saying facial expression. Sometimes facial expressions say, I'm miserable. 
miserable. And we all going to have a bad Sunday. Preachers have bad Sundays. One Sunday I preached, I had to get right in the altar. <laughs> then get back up there and do it again. The joy of the Lord. Not being a Gideon, but the joy of the Lord will show up. Eventually, we don't stay there, man. We don't stay there. Joy is a kind of a barometer of where we're at with God. Um, it isn't because you've got marital problems or financial problems or emotional, physical problems or those things. Usually, usually, when we don't have joy, we've got a God problem. Ultimately, a God problem. Let me prove it to you. One last illustration. Do you know how the early church used to greet each other when they saw each other in, you know, when they're going in those caves to worship and when they saw each other in the streets? They would greet, there's a couple of different ways, but one word that they would always say is the word rejoice. Rejoice, that's how they would greet each other. Rejoice, right? And um, they got that from this verse, Matthew 28, verse 9. This is the first encounter that Jesus Christ had after he's been resurrected. Jesus, it says, behold, Jesus met them saying, rejoice rejoice and that's the way the early church greeted each other from when jesus was resurrected on to some point the early church was ostracized they were persecuted they were ridiculed they were killed they were slandered they were lied about they were run down they were chased with wild dogs they were thrown in coliseums to be eaten by wild animals and when they saw each other how did they greet each other man rejoice rejoice why Look at this next slide. Write this down. Joy just doesn't come from our circumstances. It comes from knowing that ultimately God is over our circumstances. And if you don't think you've got a reason to be joyful today, uh, let me just kind of close with this little poem about what you have as a Christ follower. It says this. A ticket to heaven no feet can take. An eternal home no divorce can break. Every sin of your life has been cast into the sea. Every mistake you've made is nailed to the tree. You're blood-bought and heaven-made, a child of God forever saved. So be grateful, joyful, for isn't it true? What you don't have is much less than everything you do. Amen. God has given us so many reasons to be joyful. He rejoices over us. And the, the minimum that we could do is rejoice over him because our God is good. Amen? I mean, remain seated. I'm going to pray, and then we've got some business to take care of, okay? Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your joy. Thank you for your peace, your mercy, just the fruit of the Spirit, everything that you've given us, the salvation that you've given us. Lord, that food that we just ate, just your blessings, God, are just too numerous for us to name. But you're a good, good God. Thank you for joy, Lord, and forgive me when I allow the world to steal my joy, when I allow things outside of me to take away my joy that you've given me as a permanent possession. And God, help me to remember that whenever I get cranky or just discouraged, down and out, God, that I can ask you for your joy and your peace, and that it's available and that you want me to have it. Lord, we love you so much. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.